Okay, we're going to talk about something that I've been pondering now, probably all of my Christian life, and in the last couple of weeks has been really in the forefront. And I usually share that because I feel like, well, Lord, if you're saying this, then I'm going to go in that direction, and I just want to ask God to touch every person here with this. I love being in his presence. Amen. I love being in his presence. I love worshiping him. And worship can come here, obviously, when we worship corporately. But it can take place every moment, every day. When your heart is reverencing him, as your heart is bowed low before him in humility, recognizing who he is in your life, then I want to just worship. And that's what he desires. But I want to talk to you today about changing our focus. Because in this scripture, I believe that all of you know it. I've used it many, many times before, but I think it speaks volumes uh, in the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament and, of course, the New. But the Old Testament is so relevant to our walk with the Lord. So I want to start out by, we'll read, if you'd like to stand, we'll read Exodus chapter 33. And we'll start at verse 7. And we'll read through verse 23. Y'all like to read with me? Please join me. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. And anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. And as Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance, and while the Lord spoke to Moses. And whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped each at the entrance to his tent. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. And then Moses would return to the camp. But his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people. But you have not let me know whom you will send me with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. And remember that this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. And then Moses said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not send us up from here. And how will anybody know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. And then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. And I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. And then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. And when my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. And then I will remove my hand and you will see my back. But my face must not be seen. Amen. God had blessings to the reading of his word. Changing our focus. Ask you a question. Tell me if these statements sound familiar to you. I'm happy if things are going well. Okay. My marriage is great if my needs are being met. And if I'm getting my way. My job is great if I'm being treated well. And there's no conflict. My day was good if I got what I wanted today. And God is good if he's answering my prayers. You see, the issue is we're part of a narcissistic society. 
we're part of a very selfish society that we're seeing manifested all around us on a regular basis today. A very me-centered world. For most of our actions betray a sense of it's about me type of attitude. Everybody catch that? Okay. And there's a saying that has been around for a few years. It says, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God. And it's about the glory of God. Okay. So if you can remember that and nothing else in what's said here today, remember that. It's not about me. It's about bringing glory to God Almighty. It's about Him and Him alone. Praise God along the way. He sent Jesus into the world. And, and He died for our sins. He took my sins and your sins upon you. You're saved here today. Then your sins are obviously under the blood, covered. And without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sins. And so the blood covers us. And so we have that certainly what God has provided for us. But if you think about it, even when Jesus went to Calvary, he went certainly for you and I and for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But he went to bring glory to his father in heaven. And John chapter 17 points that out. And I think that God really would like more of us to ask that question again. And if we'd ask that question and wait for an answer, we might be surprised to learn that God has a simple word answer for it. What's the most important thing you and I can do? And that is to bring glory and honor to him. And our days should be lived out in that manner. And once we simplify our lives and walk in that walk, it makes it a lot less complicated, doesn't it? Bring glory to God. Just bring glory to God. Whatever it is, activity, whatever, learning, whatever, uh, advancement, whatever direction you have, just remember, it's all about Him. It's not about me, and it's not about you. It's about bringing glory to Him. Yes, God loves us, praise God. But ultimately, it's about Him and Him alone. And we see the word, obviously, here in it when we talk about it. In the Bible, we hear it in hymns and, and choruses that we sing. And yet most of us haven't a clue when we talk about glory. What's glory all about? And I've talked about it before because it's, it's, I just ponder it because I want to know more and more. Because Moses is saying, I want to know you, Lord. I want to know you. And, and Moses, obviously, as we could say, has the audacity to, again, to approach God and say, show me your glory. You know, he'd already been in the presence of the Lord. He'd obviously there in his presence. In his presence, there's a fullness of joy. And so I love to be in his presence. You see, Moses loved to be in the presence of the Lord. He loved that. And so he approached God and said, show me your glory. God said, I'll show you your glory. You know, you're bold enough here to ask me these things in humility, knowing that obviously your life and my life is changed in the presence of the Lord. That's when we're changed. And we are changed from glory to glory. Certainly as 2 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about here. So what is God's glory? Well, the Greek word is doxan. And actually it means splendor or brightness or excellence or preeminence. And the Bible uses the word to describe God's most exalted state or condition. And it means God's preeminence. His being higher than the highest. If we were trying to define the glory of God, we'd really have trouble because the glory of God is beyond a definition. Have you thought about that? I've pondered it. I said, but I want to know. I want to see your glory. And I want to know down in the depths of my heart because I know that's where I'm changed to my very core. You see, I struggle with these challenges and temptations and all these things. And yes, we will until we go to heaven. But certainly today in his presence, things begin to change. My attitude starts to change. My motives become more pure. Obviously, my actions are changed in the presence of the Lord. You hear it. You sing about it. You talk about the glory of God. And the Bible talks about the fullness of the Lord. The glory of God fills the whole earth. The glory of God. That's what we talk about here. The best we can do to describe the glory of God as encompassing all the attributes of God here. And it's simply put means that everything about God's attributes, his characteristics, 
his holiness, his love, his grace. There are all elements of his great glory. And just as we can never completely comprehend his attributes, neither can we comprehend his glory. I mean, it's beyond what we would ever imagine. What's going to happen when you and I go to heaven? We're going to be in his glory. We'll forever live in his glory, I want to tell you. It's like nothing. But see, I've always told you, and you know where I stand. I'm going, Lord, I know this earth is a preparation for heaven, right? So if it's a preparation for heaven, can I get a little touch, a little glimpse of your glory? Can, can I walk in your glory today as I walk in your glory when I get to heaven? And I know a lot of theologians will say, Jim, you're really an error here, but I don't believe I am. I mean, we're talking about what will happen when we leave this world. We'll be in the glory of God. And then we'll under, maybe we, we won't understand it then either, folks. But it's going to be glorious. And when you say glorious, you know, that word itself holds so much of a, uh, of a connotation of exactly what it means in his glorious presence here. You see, God's glory is something that's mystical, wonderful, bright beyond anything that we could ever imagine and beyond any light. And we know the Bible doesn't use the word Shekinah glory, but it's certainly directly or indirectly referred to because the Jews over time gave a name to this and and they called it the Shekinah glory the Shekinah glory here you talk about it and it came to mean over time instead of literally radiance or a residence or dwelling but actually God's visible presence you go wow God's telling Moses that he can't see his face and live but what did God say well I'm going to give you a glimpse. And so he obviously covered Moses. Why? It's because Moses would not have lived if he'd seen the fullness of God's glory. When we get to heaven, we'll have obviously our, by our spirit to begin with. But when we get our new bodies, it's going to be different than this body. Because God's glory would rip this body all to shreds. It's so powerful. It's beyond what we can see. His presence. But see, being in the presence of the Lord is what you and I need. And we talk a lot about it because I know that God is here. He is omnipresent. Thank you, Lord. I know his spirit's here. But every now and then, we get a touch of how powerful who he is really. And his glory, the radiance of who he is. And all descriptions of Shekinah say that it's most brilliant and glorious light enveloped in a cloud here. So when we talk about the pillar of cloud, we're talking about the glory of God. How about the pillar of fire when they were leaving, when the Israelites were leaving Egypt and, and being delivered? Remember the pillar of fire uh, led them by night and the cloud by day? It was the glory of God. The glory of God. Remember there the, the cloud came and set between the Israelites and the Egyptians. And Egyptians couldn't do anything because of God and his presence there blocking anything that would happen. Seeing God's glory, we need to see God's glory. How many of you know, I know this tells my age. Some of you younger ones don't remember this song, but many of you who are older in the faith, you do. Remember it? Oh, the glory of your presence. We, your temple, give you reverence. Come and rise from your rest and be blessed by our praise. As we glory in your embrace as your presence now fills this place. Something's happening. Something's going on. Supernatural. Something that we desire in our hearts, you see. Because we talked about the more of God. There's so much more to God than, than I've experienced and you've experienced. And, and God wants us to know him in that relationship. Not just about him. But to know him personally. And so when we accept Jesus. We believe that we are sinners. And we're in need of God's grace. Certainly here. But we go beyond that. And we need to know him personally. Have you ever just sit in your morning time with the Lord. You've got your coffee. And you've prayed because you've got your obviously. Your, your plaque there saying to pray. And all this. And you begin to pray to the Lord. And you're just saying, Lord, and you get still for a moment. And there's a stillness that comes over you. 
There's a quietness that you can't explain. There's a presence in the room like you can never explain. It's God's presence. And in the communion and fellowship that we have with him, because obviously he desires that more than anything else in this world. Is that we're so busy and we get going our own way and start doing this and that instead of realizing that we're in the presence of the Lord. Lord, I want to know you. I want to know your presence in the situations that I face in life and the challenges that I face in life. I know that you can carry me through this thing if I know and I've experienced that your presence, you are going with me. According to Moses, obviously God spoke to Moses there right face to face. And Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with us, then I'm not going. Don't get me wrong. The presence of the Lord, we are the temple of his spirit. And there is that theological term, omnipresence. God is everywhere. But I'm talking about when God comes in his presence and touches us. Today, in his presence. Last week, in his presence. I love the presence of the Lord. And when you're in the presence of the Lord, you don't want to leave. You may say, Jim, well, you know, we've got to cut this thing off at 12 o'clock. <laughs> because, you know, you know, the roast is burning at home or whatever's going on and so forth. But in his presence, you're not going to want to go anywhere. You want to stay and bath. You want to stay and sit and truly just sit there. And Lord, and you won't say anything in a lot of cases. Because it's too tender, it's too holy, it's too intimate in the presence of the Lord. Why do we talk about it if we don't experience it? Why do we say the glory of God is all over in that sense if we don't see it, if our eyes, if our hearts are not enlightened, that we would see it and that we would be amazed and we would be awakened to His presence again? Well, just think a lot of times, you know, we are intellectual people and, you know, we sort of go along and if I have the knowledge of this and that, that's enough. But for me, it's not enough. I want to know God. It wasn't enough for Moses. It wasn't enough for Ezekiel. It wasn't enough for the, the apostles. They knew him. They went in the upper room. The 120 gathered up there and remember, the Holy Spirit came on them. And the tongues of fire landed upon them and they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit. And man, they went out of there aflame, sharing the word of God like you've never seen before because the church was being established. And let me tell you, we need the power of God today just as much as they needed it back then. The things that are happening in our world today, you and I will not be able to overcome without the power of God's spirit in our lives. We won't. There's no way. We have an adversary. And he is powerful. Yes, we have authority. But you and I need to know that authority. And you and I know, need to know that, that power that resides within us. So the power of God's spirit. The very presence of the Lord. We, your temple, give you praise. We need to know him in that manner, you see. Exodus 34, 29 through 30 says, When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, he wasn't aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. And when Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. And when Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. Yeah, a lot of theological meaning here. I won't go into it. But let me ask you something. Do you know what will draw people in this place? Anybody? The presence of the Lord. That's going to draw people from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Why? It's because of the presence of the Lord. And if you leave this place today... And you're the same as you were when you came in here. And you haven't been changed in one way or another. Or you haven't reflected upon truth. And what God is speaking to your heart in this place. Because he's speaking. Not about me. It's about him. And bringing glory and honor to him. Then we need to examine ourselves. I'm not going through the motions folks. 
I'm not just here to, as a pastor going through this and that. I want to know God. And I want to know Him in the depths of who He is. And the way I get to that place is knowing His presence and walking in His presence each and every day. Moses did love the presence of the Lord. And Moses reflected the presence of the glory of God in his face. He'd been soaking in the presence of the Lord. And so he went out. And the people said, don't come near. Don't say anything. Do something. It's so radiant here. What about you and me? When we've been in the presence of the Lord, we go out there. Do people look at you and me and say, there's something different about you? There's something going on here supernatural. Are people asking questions today? Because I want to tell you, that's what God will do in your life and his presence. And so I want to look at a couple of things. God's glory causes fear and a reverence here, right? The fear is the manifestation of the recognition of our creatureness and God's holiness. And the prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel 3, 23 says, So I got up and went out to the plain and behold the glory of the Lord was standing there like the glory which I saw by the river Shabar and what he do I fell on my face you won't stand in the presence of the Lord you'll be here at the altar you'll be confessing things God will be revealing things on your heart that you didn't even know were there God will reveal these things in his presence today and that's what he wants David said, create in me a clean, pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me and don't cast me from your presence, Lord, or take thy Holy Spirit from me. But restore the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. David was saying, now David had obviously in the tabernacle, had been in the presence of the Lord. I mean, they were worshiping 24-7, the tabernacle. David's tabernacle was powerful. In fact, you know, the Bible says in, in Acts and in Amos that God is going to restore David's tabernacle. <laughs> God spoke to me several years ago. He said, all I heard was David's tabernacle. It came out of clear blue, but I knew it was God speaking. And I said, Lord, I don't know what you mean. Well, I started looking at it, and he said, I'm going to restore David's tabernacle. They had worship going on 24-7. They were in the very manifest presence of the Lord. And yet David was praying here, create in me a clean heart. When you get before the Lord and God's presence is so overwhelming he obviously will show you things. And you're saying, I don't want that anymore. Those things, those habits, addictions, those things that we've held and clutched on to so many years in our lives, they will be obviously taken away by the presence of the Lord as we give our hearts to Him. You won't stay the same in God's presence. Your whole countenance may not be the same in God's presence. I was talking to a lady yesterday, and she said that she went into the grocery store. And she said she was smiling. And the one lady came up to her and probably was asking, why are you so happy? What's going on in your life and all? The, why are you smiling? And she said, it's Jesus. And she said, do you know Jesus? And she said, I do. Do you know so often we allow the cares of this world to bring us down? We allow the things around us to obviously take over priority in our lives and see it's about God's glory, right? Everybody can agree about that. It's the glory of God. And he wants his glory. He wants to obviously display his glory in and through his children's lives. First of all, we've got to know that's what he wants to do. Second of all, we've got to allow him to do it. His presence. It's what changes your life. His presence is what will give you direction in life. You remember when Prophet Daniel, he saw he had a great heavenly vision. And it says his strength was drained from his body. And he fell into a deep sleep. His strength was drained. He just went on to sleep. In like a, a, a trance. 
people say, oh, trances are not. Oh, you in the presence of the Lord. Some physical phenomenon is going to happen that you may not. People may put down and so forth because obviously theologically they say, oh, this can't happen. Oh, yes, it can. God can do whatever he wants to do. And we want to say, Lord, come and do your work in your people. Y'all remember I went to Ecuador here several years ago. And the family that was taking me around Quito, Ecuador, uh, came and we were reading, having a Bible study. And we were praying. And we were asking the Lord because that night, I believe it was going to be the uh, Feast of Tabernacles. I believe it was. Or Feast of Trumpets. Feast of Trumpets that night. And uh, we were praying for it. And it was uh, uh, a mom and her daughter. And we were praying. And the presence of the Holy Spirit came down into that place. And I had, I went into a trance for about, I think, almost three hours. And after we came out, nobody said a word. It was like I was in another world, okay? The presence of the Lord. And I looked at the clock and I said, oh my goodness, we have been here for X number of hours. And we didn't even realize. In the presence of the Lord. The presence, His presence. It changes you. People say, don't hang your hat on experiences, and I'm not. There's a balance, though, because we have head knowledge, but we don't know him intimately. Intimately is not just reading about him in a book. The Bible will lead you to Jesus and lead you into a deeper walk with him. But it's not the end all. Thank God, the word of God is powerful, living and active as a sharper double-edged sword. But the Holy Spirit has to obviously take that word and anoint it and touch you and your, the, the deepest parts of your marrow. That's what happens in the presence of the Lord. The glory of God is like, unlike anything of this creation. His glory is like that burning bush which he used to get Moses' attention. His glory makes searchlights, strobe lights, sunlight. And even atomic blasts seem pale in comparison. <laughs> Get it? Even atomic blasts, atomic bombs, pale in comparison. Now, is that powerful? And here, this awesome God, we say, we sing that song. And yet, so often, we settle for less. Moses was not settling for less, folks. Moses is saying, I've seen you. And, and I want to see more of you. I want to know you in that way. You know, if you want to be changed, not just trying to not sin or trying to retrain or improve the old self-life. How many of you sometimes feel like that's the case? Just trying to improve. We're trying hard not to sin. Certainly, we, we need to walk with Jesus and walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Definitely do. But so often in that, we try to train or retrain the old self life. When God is in my presence, I'll change you. You can be changed at your core. I don't want just my actions to be changed. I want my heart to be changed. Change my heart, oh God. May it be more like you. In the presence of the Lord, that will happen. But to be changed, you got to want to be changed. You got to want him. You got to desire him. Moses was obviously bold enough to ask. You and I have to also. It's not being disrespectful. God wants to show his glory. He wants to reveal himself. And so when we think about the glory, it's literally a manifestation of his awesome holy presence here. And this is a uniquely spiritual experience, not just a physical manifestation. The soul and spirit of man sees with more than his eyes when the glory of God is revealed. Our very core is touched by his presence. And it's not merely a physical appearance. We are changed, man. He comes in and he does that in a powerful way. God is saying we need to be changed. In my presence is the fullness of joy, according to Psalm 16 here. Remember what happened to Saul? He later became Apostle Paul here. He was struck down from his horse on the way to Damascus. 
in Acts chapter 9, it says, As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he hears a voice asking, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Well, first of all, his response is clear. He knows it's God when he says, well, who are you, Lord? He's recognizing that he is in God's presence. The God who he doesn't know necessarily at that moment. But he's going to get to know him. He's struck down. God to get your attention. And I want God to get my attention. I don't want to continue down the same old road. I want to know you here. And so most angels are not mystical in that sense. Or heavenly winged creatures. Hovering around with harps here. Uh, that's obviously uh, medieval artwork. We're talking about here that the angels are messengers. They are messengers. And so when it says, when angels came up on the scene, remember it says always, do not fear, do not fear. Were, were they afraid of the angel? Well, angels are majestic. We know that. And they obviously only a friend of mine saw one. That's the only person I've ever known seen, seen one. And it was big and awesome looking. But what they were saying was the glory of God was so surrounding them, they had to tell the people that they encountered, do not fear. The glory of God was radiating around these angels. And the same glory of God which guided the Israelites through the desert, they saw from a distance a pillar of fire during the night and a pillar of smoke during the day. They saw on the mountain where Moses went to receive the law, a great fire surrounded by a cloud. And they asked Moses to go up to the mountain as they were afraid to even hear God's voice after such a sight. And at a certain great distance, they, Moses, you take care of this. It's awesome. God wants us to know him and see why Jesus definitely, he died on the cross. He rose from the dead. But what was the last thing that Jesus said when he was hanging on the cross? What did he say, everybody? It's finished. And what happened after that? The veil and the temple rent in two. What does that represent? It represents the fact that you and I can come boldly into the holy of holies. And, and ask for grace and mercy in our time of need. What happened to the priests that went back there and went back in the back corner and, and, and in the Holy of Holies and, and, and maybe he had sin on his heart. He forgot to confess something. Well, what happened? The bell stopped ringing, right? Because they tied a bell to his cloak. And they knew if the bell stopped ringing that, that, that God had struck him down because he was in the presence of such a holy God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. We're talking about the glory of God. And Jesus gave his life and the veil and the temple rent in two that we can come directly into his presence. His presence. The glory of God. God's glory comforts his people. Remember Stephen? In Acts chapter 7, the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation and they shook their fist in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily upward into heaven and he saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in a place of honor at God's right hand. And then they put their hands over their ears and drowning out his voice and their shouts. And they rushed at him and they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. The powerful thing. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He gazed steadily upward in heaven there. And then he saw the glory of God. Now we know we can't control God. We know that. I mean, that is better left unsaid. But we know that when you seek his face, he says that he will be bound by us. We know the scripture is plain about that. The Bible says if we draw near to God, what? He'll draw near to us, right? And when God draws near to you and me, there's something going on. And I know, obviously, I, I, I'm somebody, I'm a touchy-feely type person. I like to hug and, and those types of things. I'll pat you on the back. 
I like, I like that. Right, you're huggy-feely. Some people are not, and it's okay. It's the way God made you. But I'm huggy-feely and all that kind of stuff. I'm the same way with God. <laughs> I want him to hug me. I want him to come along and touch me in the depths of my heart. I want to know his love experientially. Not just here, but here. In his presence, he reveals himself in that way. What is also God's glory leads us to worship him. Listen, David said this, Psalm 63, 2. I've seen you in the sanctuary and I beheld your power and your glory. You see, David had beheld God's power and glory. And obviously, we don't have full that vision was, but what did it do? It led him to worship. We're going to worship God in heaven. Yes, you're going to work. And you won't have the same old body that gets tired and so forth. So we'll continue on and we'll get a new body and so forth when the resurrection takes place. But you're going to be worshiping. There's worship around the throne of grace it talks about in the book of Revelation. 10,000 times 10,000. I mean, many, many were worshiping him. He's worthy. And then, obviously, we see through a glass darkly right now. But one day we will see him as he is. And it will cause us to worship and fall down before him. Remember what happened to John on the island of Patmos? Jesus walked up on him. Jesus had already ascended and so forth. Remember, John was there to book, write the book of Revelation. And John was uh, the friend of Jesus, remember? And what did he do? He fell. He fell in the presence of the Lord. And it was like, wow. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. Put his hand on him. He said, I'm the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. The presence of God to touch us and change us. And what did he do after that? He wrote certainly one of the most significant books in the New Testament, the book of Revelation. And it says in the book of Revelation, whoever reads this book will be blessed. Right? That can be said about all the books, but certainly it says it very clearly in the book of Revelation. So it will lead us to worship him. Now, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. Y'all know the scripture here. It's Isaiah encounters God in his temple. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And at the sound of their voices, the doorpost and threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Smoke and clouds are a manifestation of the glory of God concealed. The seraphim were worshiping God, calling holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah experienced fear as he declares, woe is me. For I'm ruined. I'm a man unclean lips. I've sinned. And I'm living amongst a people of unclean lips, of sinful people. And remember what he did. The seraphim took the coal, symbolic of the blood of Jesus, touched to his lips and cleansed him. And what did Isaiah say after that? What did he say? Anybody? Here am I. Send me. What do we need here? We need to tell people about Jesus. You've got to be filled with God's spirit. You've got to encounter the Lord, know him and who he is. And once you do, you go into the highways and byways of life because you want to share the good news so bad you won't be able to get there fast enough. Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Calls you to worship. But there are two effects of encountering God's glory. A change in our relationship with God. God reveals his glory to us to transform us. If you remember, obviously Moses' face shined. It transformed him. And Moses fulfilled the task that, that God wanted you to fulfill, right? God wants you and I to fulfill the purpose that we're here. We're not here, obviously, trying to get the biggest toys so we can go and leave with the biggest toys. We're here to proclaim the good news, to bring glory and honor to him. And obviously, I see people today, and I've said it before, in this neighborhood alone, there's so many people who have no idea who Jesus Christ is. Right here, right next door. And do you know what I've heard that probably is accurate? I don't know statistically completely percentage-wise, but people are saying consistently that obviously do this type of research, that faith in Jesus, faith in God in America is diminishing. Anybody got that? It is. They don't care. 
people are making their own decisions. They're not looking to God. They're obviously going and walking in darkness. And obviously they need to see the great light. Jesus. And for that to happen, you and I, we got to know him. The depths of who he is. Not just about him. Not just about him. But know him. The depths of who he is. Change your life. It will change you from the core, from the inside out. All of us know as Christians. We're going, it's not God is not about just changing the outside, certainly. It most importantly, He's changing us from the inside out. He's transforming you. The Bible says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Begin to get into the Word of God. Begin to think and look and see and act the way God does. That's the transformation that He wants to make in your life and my life. And that takes place in His presence. In his presence. So that's the challenge from God today. Look into the face of Jesus. Behold him. The more we behold Jesus. And tell yourself what you see. And the more we do. The more we will desire him. Worship him. Desire to follow him. Desire to become like him. We will not tell the Lord what we'd like to do or become. We will realize that it's not about us. And about what we want. Begin to behold the Lord. Begin to hold him. Begin to see him. Give us spiritual eyes, Lord, that we can see him high and lifted up. Isaiah saw him there on his throne. Well, how do you do it? Real simple here. But it's going to take time. I've been thinking about this. The Christian life is a disciplined life. Anybody know that? It's not a life where we can just fly by the seat of our pants. It's a disciplined life. And it takes time. It takes your effort and my effort. And I'm here to tell you here in Lighthouse Fellowship as we follow the Lord. It takes us putting our priorities in place. Doing the things that God would have us to do. So how do you behold Jesus seeking? Get on your face, your knees, your seat and call and cry out to him and ask him to reveal his presence to you and stay on your knees and face calling out to him and asking him to do this. I believe he wants to do it because of who he is. Because he loves you and me. He wants to change us. He wants us obviously to do his will. His kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He'll flood you with his presence as you draw near to him. You'll know you're in his presence. In a very spiritual way, you'll be seeing his glory. A spiritual manner of speaking. A change in our countenance, says Moses. He had a difference there. The way we see life, the way we see adversity, the way we see the challenges in life every day because they're there and they're not going away. And sometimes, and it appears to me, they may get worse. People struggling today. People struggling about it. And they're looking in all the wrong places for the answer. Well, if I just do this and I do that. Crime is on the rise. Obviously, we, we've got all these things happening that you all are aware of. All these things are happening around us that are presenting challenges to you and me. But the issue is we have the power, not my power, but the glory of God in my life. To make changes in people's lives. And so we've got right here. Handful and, and the X number of people here today. Lighthouse Fellowship. I've always said. This place is a powder keg. <laughs> Just ready to be ignited. And explode. All over this community and beyond. But the issue is. Do you desire it? God is a gentleman. He will not force himself on you. But he'll give you an opportunity to make a choice. He gives me an opportunity to make a choice. And I make choices and you make choices each and every day. So why the glory of God? Well, God's glory is his priority. Revealing his glory is his top priority. It's the reason God created us. Always here. Glory to him. And we exist to make much of him. Jesus had one priority and that was to bring glory to his father. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6 tells us 
that we're saved not for our personal benefit. We're not saved simply to rescue us from hell, which you thank God. We were saved to bring forever glory to the Father. That's why we're here. Get familiar with the glory. Know the glory of God, the presence of the Lord in your life and my life in a personal way. It's true for God to love the world and Jim that he gave his only begotten son for Jim. But the main reason was to bring glory to the Father. Okay, That's foundational as far as what Jesus came. Jesus wasn't going to the cross for you and I in that necessarily. He definitely did. He went to the cross for his father. He went for his father to bring glory and honor. Now, in closing, real quick, because I'm getting a snap in here. It appears to be, in this case, that God is awfully vain. Okay? Well, consider a pilot of a lifeboat. Okay? Pilot or a captain of a lifeboat here. He too be, better be boasting in his boat, his boat and his ability to save the drowning. If you're floating in the water ready to drown, you want to hear the voice of the pilot who says, I can reach you. I can save you. You want to hear his you want his voice to be louder than all the other voices. And you want to hear confidence in his voice. His voice brings hope. You also hope that those who are already rescued are boasting about the captain of the boat. Thank God. They better not be bragging about themselves. They better be bragging about how this pilot or this captain of this boat is going to rescue you. And that will bring you comfort. And when you are rescued, you'll do the same. God is the star of the show. <laughs> God is the star. Okay. The marquee in front of the theater has his name on it and his name alone. You and I have bit parts in this eternal drama. Sometimes we think about it is that we believe God exists exclusively for our happiness and comfort here. And so if that is so, they are God's and God isn't. We made comfort. And all these other things are God's. And even church folks do this. We act and live as if somehow God exists for us, but we exist for him. Bumper stickers. Listen to this. We'll close. Y'all have seen it. God is my co-pilot. God has no co-pilot. God doesn't come on board to be your assistant, to meet your needs. God's plan has only one seat. And you and I aren't in it. We get to be on board. He is the pilot. He doesn't exist for our agenda. Okay. Repeat after me here. I'll say it. Begin with. Whoa, I'm not sure what's going on with this. But anyway. I hereby resign as the ruler of the universe. Can you say it? I hereby resign as the ruler of the universe. Amen? Amen. Remember with God here, obviously. Recenter on Him. God is at the center. It's all about Him, not about you. You know what? I want to tell you, and I'll confess this to you. You all know this. And I may have mentioned something about it. Uh, gosh, we went over. When I pray, Lord, please revive us. I want revival, definitely. But sometimes I have to go back and I kind of look and get a check on what my motive is. Do I want, obviously, because I want to be a great pastor. I want the church here, Lighthouse Fellowship, to, um, to experience you and that for something other than his glory. Okay. Do I want to be revived so that I won't be discomforted? Or be put sort of like in a vice and so forth? Do I want this for that reason? Then I'm off course. I want it because I want God glorified. And I want him to do that. The question, does your life reflect the glory of God? 
And does our church reflect the glory of God? We mentioned earlier, what's going to bring people in? The presence of the Lord. They go, oh, yeah, Jim, we know that. <laughs> we know you're preaching. Okay. It's the presence of the Lord people will want to come into and be a part in the glory of God. Not everybody will. But that's what we need, the presence of the Lord. I want this coming week, reflect on it. Does your life reflect the glory of God? Are you doing the things that bring him glory? Are you doing just sort of like you're treading water and just trying to get by? Which one is it? Do people see the glory of God on your face? Because Moses radiated. Okay. When you soak in the presence of the Lord, something happens because it begins to radiate through us. Think about it this week. What's your life? And what does your life reflect? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word, your truth. Dear God, help us. We just want your presence in our life. We want to bring glory and honor to you. And dear God, we don't care how you do it or when you do it or whatever. But Lord, we pray. We know the Bible says that we can hasten the day of the Lord. We pray, Father, please. We need to be changed. And we need to obviously go out into the highways and byways of life and share the good news. And dear God, today, but we need that relationship with you. And the depths of the love of Jesus. And walk in that each and every day. That we will reflect your glory. Jesus reflected your glory. He was the glory of God. Walked on this earth. We have the Holy Spirit of God within us, Father. We know. And so, Lord, we ask you that your spirit would shine forth. That glory of God. And people would begin to ask questions. What's going on? Is this about God? And we would give, be given opportunities, yes, and people would turn and repent and receive and believe and also walk in that glory. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful day. Use us for your glory and your honor. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.